E-R. Good morning and welcome to Wavemakers with Tom and Janet, a weekly conversation with people making a difference in the Tampa Bay region. I'm Tom. And I'm Janet. And answering the phones for us today is Irene. If you want to join our conversation today, call us at 813-239-9663. And Irene will get you through to us. You can also email us at dj at wmnf.org or text us at 813-433-0885. We have four people in the studio with us today. I think that's a record. Um, we have, uh, they're all people who are advocating for safer streets in Tampa for everyone. Uh, we have Karen Kress, Senior Director of Transportation and Planning at the Tampa Downtown Partnership. Thanks for being with us, Karen. Um, and we have um, Kevin O'Hare, Director of Transportation and Planning at the West Shore Alliance. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Um, we have um, Paula Flores, who is the Transportation Planning Practice Leader at the engineering firm GPI. Good morning. Glad to be here. Um, and, we have, and we have Christian Leon, who is the President of Walk Bike Tampa. Thanks for everybody being here. Um, so let's start off talking about an event that's coming up on September 23rd in Tampa. It's the first ever uh, World Car Free Day. It's celebrated in 2,000 cities in 46 countries, including St. Petersburg, actually, across the bay. Um, this year is the first year that Tampa will mark this day. Officially around the world, it's actually on September 22nd of every year. But generally, cities celebrate it the week of September 22nd because it was scheduling and that sort of thing. So we're, Tampa is celebrating September 23rd. It's a Saturday. Um, Let's talk a little bit about what World Car Free Day is. Let's start with you, um, Paula. Um, uh, tell us um, what is the history of, of World Car Free Day? Sure, uh, Janet. So as you said, you know, Car Free Days um, is where we are trying to encourage people to travel by means other than cars. It's really not anti-car. It's really about bringing awareness to and celebrating different modes of transportation. It's about creating a city with fewer cars and people walking, riding a bike or a scooter are taking transit can feel just as welcome and safe along our public spaces. So for all those that have no choice but to drive, help us out. Even if we can convince just one more person to use sustainable modes of travel for short trips, that's one less car sitting in front of you in congestion. So World Car Free Day is not, it's not anti-car. It's not about saying, and any of you want to weigh in, um, uh, Kevin or, or Christian it's, it's, or Karen, it's not about cars are bad necessarily. No, it's definitely not about cars are bad as a mode of transportation. In fact, the majority of uh, Tampa residents use a car to get around. In fact, uh, a, a statistic that really, I think, you know, represents what we're trying to do with World Car Free Day is have you reimagine your commute in a different way. Uh, the Tampa Mobility Plan, Tampa Moves, uh, a shameless plug to the city here for a, a study they just completed this year, uh, highlights that 72% of Tampa residents use a car to get around. And they compare that amongst five other comparable metropolitan areas. 
uh, across the country, like Austin, Charlotte, Orlando, Pittsburgh, Richmond, Virginia. And, you know, we're kind of on the higher end of that spectrum there. I think the leader is Pittsburgh, with 52% of all trips are taken by single occupancy vehicles. And, you know, when we talk about eliminating traffic, it's really about getting cars off the road and, and reimagining how folks are moving around our city and giving folks real options without driving. And that starts with carpooling. It starts with walking small distances. It starts with, you know, reimagining our commutes in a way that's more sustainable. And, you know, we're not going to get to 52% overnight. It's going to be a long transition, but it starts with events like World Car Free Day and culture changes. And, you know, we have a great group of leaders here who's starting to push that, um, push that forward and and really start to reimagine the commute. And Karen, you wanted to weigh in. What's what's your thought on that? Yeah. And we'll probably get into this a little bit further, but I don't think our residents realize how many great strides we've made on improved infrastructure. So one of the main goals of this, at least for me, and I think all of us here, is that we want to show people how they can move safely outside of a car. Um, You know, we have literally places where you have like a concrete barrier protecting you from traffic, which I think is the game changer, what's going to make most people feel comfortable biking um, or scooting or whatever kind of wheel you want to be on, right? Yeah. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to Wavemakers and WMNF, and we've got a a studio full of people who are advocates for uh, transportation, uh, alternative forms of transportation in Tampa. They want to make the streets safe for everyone, not just people who are driving cars, also for people who are riding bikes and who are pedestrians. If you want to weigh in on the conversation, you can give us a call, 813-239-9663, or you can send us an email to dj at wmnf.org. And we want to hear from you. We want to know, what is your experience like driving and walking or, or bicycling and walking in Tampa or scooting or whatever you do if it's not necessarily in a car? Do you feel like you have no choice? Do you have to drive your car? Is that the only option you have? And would you like alternatives? So give us a call, 813-239-9663, or you can email us at dj at wmnf.org and uh, share your experience. Paula, um, you've been really the person who has spearheaded a lot of this this effort. So can you tell us what is the history of World Car Free Day? How did, how did this come about? Um, in Tampa specifically, you know, so about four years ago, a bunch of um, good friends and advocates for safe streets. Uh, we had gone out to dinner and we had heard about this wonderful global other event that we also celebrate here in Tampa as well. It's called the Fancy Woman Bike Ride. Fancy Women Bike Ride. Exactly. And it's all about women really trying to encourage safe streets and really bringing attention to how to ride differently, how to really experience your community in a different way. So we've been hosting Fancy Woman Bike Ride. It's every year. It's a global ride as well. Um, every year on Sunday, September 17th, which we're going to have it again this year. This is going to be our fourth year. It's going to start off at 10 a.m. from um, Perry Harvey Senior Park uh, next Sunday. And then two years ago, we made the we actually challenged the mayor to see, you know, the, you know, um, Fancy Woman Bike Ride is really just the start of Global Mobility Week. And it started in... Turkey, is that correct? Uh, the Fancy Woman Bike Ride, yes, by a teacher that started there. She was just tired of riding her bike in Lycra or, uh, you know, riding her bike with men that were much faster than her. And and it's like, I need to do something different. So she started this ride to really just bring attention to everyday commuters. You know, you, you, sh- you shouldn't be wearing Lycra. You could wear just your regular clothes and sneakers or in mm-hmm. fancy shoes and all of that. 
So we challenged the mayor to said, you know, this is a start of something. It's a revolution here that we're trying to bring awareness to different modes. And then we challenged the mayor to say, can we also celebrate World Car Free Day? So the mayor accepted the challenge last year and we were exhilarated by it. So here we are, you know, here it is 2013. And on September 23rd, we're going to have this inaugural World Car Free Day. And the World Car Free Day, when they do it in, in other parts of the world, um, everybody does it in a different way, Correct. right? So we're not saying, you're not saying that on September 23rd, nobody should drive their cars, although that'd be great. <laughs> that could happen. But, but what you're really saying, what... What is so some some cities might just close down a particular street or they close down a larger geographic area. Um, what is planned for um, uh, the city of Tampa? I'll start and then I'm going to have everybody else chime in because, um, you know, so what we have going this year, it's our inaugural year, right? So we decided to do this three neighborhoods that we're going to have starting in West Shore, um, downtown and then Ybor City. And then we've picked these east-west quarter because we already have some bike-friendly quarters connecting them both, right? Along Gray Street, which ultimately hopefully will be a bike boulevard, and then we have the Cass Street cycle track. So with that, I want, you know, to chime in. Um, let's start. Karen, you want to talk about some of the activities downtown? Or, or? Oh, Kevin, you go ahead. You go first. Well, yeah, I can talk a little bit about what we have planned in West Shore, which is really exciting. And, and, you know, again, Paula has really been spearheading this from the beginning. And it started with Gray Street uh, as a major... Uh, bike Boulevard, really one of Tampa's first truly designated bicycle boulevards that uh, the city and us at the Alliance are really trying to promote as an alternative to get east-west. Uh, you know, Karen can talk a lot about a lot of our memberships and a lot of folks that live in both West Shore and downtown are trying to get between the two centers. And oftentimes, you know, folks feel as though the only options to get there's a car. Well, there is a bus route, this Heart Route 30. You can get between both downtown and West Shore using that. Um, but, you know, folks are always looking for alternatives. And again, we're trying to eliminate car trips on the margin and we think that uh, an event like World Car Free Day really helps to push that envelope. And so the, this Gray Street cycle track connects the West Shore Midtown actually and Midtown for folks who don't know is that big development that's between Dale Mabry and Himes right by the interstate by mm -hmm. 275 and it's just kind of grew up out of nowhere and it's this work live play kind of place with an REI is there and a Whole Foods is there and some restaurants and hotels and and it's just Shake Shack yeah most importantly Shake Shack oh yeah um, and, um, so and then there's a actually a, a bike boulevard or cycle track that connects that to downtown? Yeah, yes, it's it's in the works, it's being planned, but it's really based off of the, and, and most bicyclists know kind of what we're referring to here, but we've, we've came up with a phrase for it often in transportation, it's a low-stress bicycle network. So it's a low-stress as in the car traffic is very minimal, it's a neighborhood, it's a quiet street, so most bicyclists without any kind of heavy infrastructure improvements like physical separation are able to use that route safely. Uh, in West Shore, you know, we have a couple of major intersections sections with Del Mabry and West Shore that are fully signalized and we're working with the city uh, to put up more bicycle crossings at Lois and Himes and next to Midtown. And 
Um, you know, for World Car Free Day, you know, we have an exciting event at Midtown. Most folks don't notice, but when Midtown, uh, that site was originally planned to be an office park. Like most of West Shore, it was planned in a suburban style development. It was really on the edge of the map. But what you're seeing in West Shore, and you're seeing this all across the city, is this transformation to being a mixed-use, multi-use community. And, and Midtown is a shining example of that for us in West Shore. Uh, it's a uh, completely enclosed within it. They have all sorts of amenities, Shake Shack being one of our, our hallmarks. But um, <laughs> there's also grocery stores, there's restaurants, there's activities, there's workouts, there's gyms. Uh, and it also connects to a larger community in that, inside out the city. So uh, for our World Car Free Day in West Sure, you know we'll be at Midtown. We'll be at the Midtown Green. We have a farmers market planned. We have uh, REI. I know is going to be coming out with a number of exciting games for kids. We have pickleball on the roof. So if you like the paddle, come on down. Huh. Pickleball on the roof of of the Midtown Garage. Okay. Yeah. They'll have two courts set up. It'll be a really exciting time. And uh, we also have uh, bike parking uh, free of charge. So please come on down, ride your bike. Uh, we'll have that available day of, uh, and we will have a pop up chalk artist. Uh, that will be there to do some chalk hours. You'll be able to watch and also participate. So uh, a number of fun activities, and um, you know we're just really happy to be a part of the event. And then, Karen, um, what are they? What's planned for downtown, the downtown area? Where is that? Where is the downtown I- area where they're going to be the activities? Thanks for queuing that up. So the Tampa Downtown Partnership basically has a contract with the city of Tampa to help spur the revitalization of downtown, and. We have a really fun opportunity with Marion Transit Parkway. It's a north-south street in our downtown that is dedicated to transit only. However, there's very few bus routes that use it right now, so we've been working with the city and with Hart and other stakeholders along the corridor to really kind of rethink what Marion Transit could be. And so this event is giving us a great opportunity to do that. So there are... Um, these oversized kind of beautiful bus shelters mm-hmm. that we would love to see as like a small business incubator program in the future. Um, but we're going to have, so we're going to have some vendors, um, some food and beverage, some sales, like kind of like farmer's market type stuff in there. We're going, we're partnering with dialed in golf solutions to bring out a putt putt course on the day, which will be a first for us. So we're super excited about that. We're going to have a live band. We're going to have chalk art, um, bicycle decorating. Um, There's a group called uh, Bikes from the Heart that will be collecting anyone's bike who, you know, they have an old bike, they're not using it. And then they fix those up and they give them out to people who need a bike and can't really Mm -hmm. afford one. So we're going to have a lot of kind of bikey stuff, bike decorating, if I didn't say that, um, bike parking at all of them. So um, yeah, something for everybody. And then, so what the plan is, is it for World Car Free Day, there's three areas. There's activities at Midtown, that that area that's um, around um, Dale Mabry in the interstate, and then downtown on the Marion Street Parkway, and then also in Ybor City. So what's planned, Christian Leon, what's planned for Ybor City? Can you tell us about that? So uh, in Ybor City, our hub is going to be Centennial Park. And every Saturday, there's a market there, the Ybor Market. Um, that will be, uh, there'll be, you know, all of the vendors will be there as usual. There's a lot of different food vendors. Uh, there's homemade soap. There's, uh, <laughs> and farm. the Lutz Nuts lady is always there. <laughs> and my favorite, the Lutz Nuts. Those are some delicious nuts. Just putting in a plug in for Out-of-towners her. Out-of-towners call it Lutz Nuts, but okay. I'm familiar with those nuts. Um, but no, so we'll have that at the market. We'll also have chalk art, and we'll also have activities for the kids, for kids' bikes. 
Um, and also, you know, we're lucky that Ybor is our old historic neighborhood and it's easy to walk around. So we'll have a couple of different places on 7th Avenue that are participating that will be giving discounts or different um, specials for people that are uh, participating in World Car Free Day. So we'll have Zydeco will be participating, Duo Michi will be participating, Hotel Haya will be participating. Oh, right. And Sterling Cigars, which has a rooftop cigar bar, will also be participating. So um, people can feel free to come to Ebor and, and wander around. Um, I want to go to, we got an email from Bubba, who is one of our regulars. We love hearing from you, Bubba, always. Um, and uh, Bubba says, I would like to see more emphasis on pedestrian safety in, Tam in the Tampa area. I think it would be great to have the pedestrian signal buttons stop all four directions of traffic at the same time, especially at major intersections like Spruce and Dale Mabry. Is this possible? So. Bubba, you've got Paula um, giving you a, a two thumbs up on that. So um, and that is, uh, I've seen this in other cities. It's uh, very interesting and very effective. What, what is, what is he, what, I'm not familiar with that. What is Bubba talking about there, Paula? <laughs> so I agree with you, Bubba. That, that is wonderful. I come from a different city and different places where it's very normal. I, so when a pedestrian walks, is walking down a sidewalk and they get to an intersection, usually you press the button and then you wait for the light to cross. But in other locations, you get a, a green light to cross all four uh, quadrants of an intersection, all four crosswalks. Um, oh, and then can you actually jaywalk? Like you can also go on a diagonal? Yes. Like I think I've seen that in um, on Broadway in Nashville. Nashville, they do that. Correct. Uh, they call them the Barnes Dance. There's all sorts of different uh, interesting names. Some of those treatments, however, are um, most appropriate in areas where we have a lot of traffic, a lot of pedestrians crossing the intersection. So it's a it's a, a great tool to use, and and I'm maybe we can see one here in the future. Well, maybe we're getting ahead of ourselves here because we don't have a lot of there's not really a lot of pedestrians anywhere in Tampa. <laughs> I mean, are there? I mean, I hate to say that, but you guys can feel free to contradict me. But I think there are. I think a lot of times, um, you know, folks are making decisions on the margin and they're walking and they're biking, but we're not having the infrastructure in place to provide that safe crossing. And folks are taking risks every day. And you see that in the fatality numbers, unfortunately. I mean, you see that every single year, uh, Tampa and the Tampa Bay area is often rated as one of the worst uh, areas for pedestrian deaths and it's a really sad statistic and a lot of the uh, a lot of times what we're focusing on Karen myself Paula Christian is highlighting the importance of safe infrastructure and safety as a hallmark of our transportation planning which you know we're fortunate to have a lot of leaders at the city and the county and the state that are starting to get on board with that and, and really you know put their actions with their words. Um, thanks for that, um, Bubba. And if you, um, oh, Karen, go ahead. Yeah, I just wanted to add, I, I love the idea. I, I refer to it as a pedestrian scramble. You can kind of cross whichever way you want. All the traffic has to stop. So it's really just kind of a political decision. You know, how yell, how loud are the drivers going to scream if they have to wait another 30 seconds. But uh, <laughs> we, we do have a little bit of an attempt at that at uh, over by the Straz Center and the Poe Parking Garage, the Museum of Art. Uh, we just put in an intersection mural there to help kind of clarify what the um, river walk path is, having to come away mm -hmm. from the river there. But I think the city refers to it as a, as a pedestrian emphasis corridor. So it's not quite a scramble, but um, when you push those buttons, um, the lights are, are going to be timed for the pedestrian. And then the other comment I wanted to make about you're saying there's not a lot of pedestrians. I don't think we know the answer to that because we don't count them. We have been counting cars and cars only for decades. 
And just through the West Shore Alliance, the Downtown Partnership, and some others, the Transportation Planning Organization, we've been able to do a pilot project to put out some counters to count people who are walking and people who are biking. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, it's pretty striking numbers. For instance, just a quick plug, um, Franklin Street in downtown Tampa, where the Tampa Theater is, that gets almost as much pedestrian traffic as the Tampa River Walk gets. But we would have never known that had we been out there counting. And I know Kevin got some great numbers in West Shore as well. Yeah, we've really been, you know, a, a huge plug to Karen and her team for the pedestrian counters. And I think they've used it to justify a lot of projects. And, and the same in West Shore. You know, we're working with the city right now on Gray Street and Himes and Gray Street and Lois to facilitate safe biking crossings. And, you know, that question comes up. Do people actually bike here? Do people actually walk here? And we tested it. We went out in the field with a live counter to actually count pedestrians and bicyclists. And we found that there's actually a commuting pattern on Gray Street. And folks are using it without the infrastructure. So, you know, the recommendation from planners is if you build something, really anything, uh, that provides a safe crossing, you're going to see those numbers skyrocket because folks will share that and will see that it's a safer crossing and continue to utilize it. So, So one of the things I think this event will do is demonstrate to people some of the ways you can get around town without a car and i think a lot of people don't realize some of the infrastructure that has been built that allows you to ride a bike pretty safely from ebor city all the way to midtown right can you because that's basically cast street but it's other streets that have been connected and i'm not talking about paint on a road that is supposed to keep you safe we're we're talking real bike infrastructure can you talk about that so if somebody who's familiar with ebor city might be familiar with midtown and of course downtown how's this all connected well i think um this is christian um talking from the president <laughs> of walk bike tampa just because we got a lot of voices in here so go ahead sure i think you know the most um impressive bit of infrastructure that people can all get to and relate to is probably on cass and cass goes from 7th avenue in ebor and that goes all the way into West Tampa. I think it's on Willow where it ends. But, you know, there's a concrete barrier that sets aside a really wide lane. And so that lane, you know, is for bicycles, for one wheels. I see people on scooters all the time. There's e-bikes now that they are accessible. And that's a really easy way. I mean, I know from Ybor City to go between Ybor and downtown, it's a straight shot. It probably, if I had to guess, will take five real clock minutes if you're on something that's moving decently fast or if you're biking pretty quickly. Um, That'd be 10 minutes for me. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, but it's a really, it's, it's a really quick stretch. And then if you keep going and you go over the river, I mean, it's beautiful to be by downtown, to go over the river, to see that view. You get to the other side going west and on cast, there's a lot of little different restaurants and places that you can go to off of that path. You know, just a couple blocks away, there's a lot of different, there's a lot of hospitality back there. And um, that's a neighborhood that I don't think has been really explored by people that don't live there. Um, so that's a great piece. And then from there, extending all the way to Midtown, that's why we're working really hard and advocating for the city to put in more and more infrastructure to really connect all east to west. Great. Um, and Paula, you wanted to weigh in. We, we Back to what the uh, actually is planned for World Car Free Day. There are some, got some giveaways, some, some pretty decent giveaways. Yes. So you must come. Uh, we <laughs> have some wonderful, wonderful uh, prizes. Uh, for example, uh, REI is uh, sponsoring a cargo e-bike. That's a wonderful opportunity for you to come in, buy some tickets, some uh, drawing tickets. Um, So that's one prize. We also have a cruiser bike um, donated by Tampa General Hospital, Tampa Well Program. 
and that will be through City Bike. We have West Shore Alliance, Kevin right here himself, that is working really hard, and they're donating three children's bikes, um, including helmets and lights, you know, a 16-inch wheelbase, a 20-inch and a 24-inch. So if you have children and they don't have a bike, please come come see us and get a drawing. And and to enter in this drawing, Paula, all the donations go to Walk by Tampa, right? Correct. Actually, I'm not done with the prizes yet. So JCC is giving us a free month-long certificate to go. So if you want to to work out, yeah, membership. And we have also a $100 gift certificate from Fit for Moms. So you can go take some classes with that program as well. As well as a whole bunch of giveaways that uh, REI is going to have at the Midtown location at the Commons. And JCC is actually going to have a pop-up booth right in front of their facility at the intersection of Gray and Howard. So don't miss out. Come in, um, you know, buy the uh, drawing raffles. With those raffles, 20% of all the funding and all donations that are being collected for this event is actually going to be uh, held by uh, Walk Bike Tampa. We are going to dedicate a lot of those funds to other safety bed, bike, safety improvements in some of our city neighborhoods. Um, if you're just tuning in, you're listening to Wavemakers on WMNF, and we are talking about um, a World Car Free Day right now, which is an event coming up on September 23rd. Um, but we're talking about... Um, uh, pedestrian and bicycle safety in um, in um, Tampa and in the Tampa Bay area. And we want to hear from you. How do you feel when you're out walking or riding your bike? Are you comfortable? Or are you not comfortable? Um, do you feel like th- that things have gotten better? I think there's pretty good infrastructure. I know I've lived here for 40 years. I think I've seen a huge transformation in the Tampa Bay area. Um, the number is 813-239-9663. Um, or you can email us at dj at wmnf.com. O-R-G. I want to take a, a minute out right now to um, uh, uh, play uh, a little something about um, the underwriting for the show. Support for Wavemakers comes from listeners like you and the Tampa Bay Times. The Pulitzer Prize winning newspaper is available around the Tampa Bay area and online at tampabay.com. Thanks to the Tampa Bay Times for their support. And we're back. So um, thank you for the Tampa Bay Times for supporting our show. Um, And speaking of which, Paula, you've got lots of support for the World Car Free Day. So the community is really coming together for that, correct? Absolutely. You know, I I would... uh, I really wanted to thank the partners that are involved with with this event, including the city of Tampa has been working with us diligently, Walk Back Tampa as well, Um, West Shore Alliance, Tampa Downtown Partnership, um, pedal power promoters and uh, sidewalk stompers. Those are the main partners that will hopefully will be doing this every year going forward. But we've had such a wonderful turnout. I think I am, have up to 13 agencies or local organizations um, within our community that have become sponsors of the event. And so it really speaks to, I think, how many people in the community want this you know people they are they are recognizing that we are it's not safe to walk and bicycle or as safe as it could be um in the tampa bay area and and they want to see um see that change did you want to weigh in there christian yeah i think that you know one of the reasons why this event is really important is because it allows people to re-engage with their communities in a different way and you know, I was born and raised in Tampa. I've lived here most of my life. And I know that we have the notion, the common notion that, you know, to go anywhere, you jump in your car and you go. Um, 
but it's really a different experience when you just walk anywhere or when you bike anywhere, when you use any of these small types of, of modes of transportation. You know, I see a lot of people on one wheels and things like that. So we really want people to like re-engage with their community and to see things from a different perspective. I know I had a really eye-opening experience a couple of years ago, right before COVID, where you know, I got on the trolley from Ebor. I got off at Sparkman's and it was Gasparilla, right? So at Sparkman's, it was really kind of crazy and I wanted people <laughs> watching do all the, the, the stuff for Gasparilla. Well, I was invited to a party that was at Beta Bay and Bayshore. And oh, that's a I long would, way. Well, that's what you would think, right? <laughs> and that's kind of what I don't get to. Like, you know, when you're used to jumping in a car and going everywhere, you would think that it's really far to walk or it's really far to bike or it's really far... I walked all the way to Beta Bay and Bayshore. It was a beautiful day. You know, it's like February in Florida. It, it, it's not always nice, but it's usually really, really nice. And it was beautiful. And my perspective of downtown and my perspective of Hyde Park and that whole neighborhood and Bayshore completely changed because it felt like a neighborhood. It didn't feel like something that I was just quickly getting through. You know, there were people outside. There were kids that were selling things in the yard. And it was so nice to have that experience. And it also made me think, you know, when it's a nice day, there's no reason why I shouldn't just walk downstairs and just walk as far as possible. You know, if I want to go to Bayshore, if I want to go to Davis Island, I realized after that experience that I could walk there. Mm -hmm. And I would never have thought that, you know. So hopefully this event is something where we'll get people to come out to leave their cars at home. And to just walk around and to experience, you know, the whole, the neighborhood and the city in a different way. Uh, have you tried walking from Ebor City to Midtown, though? I haven't, but I found out yesterday <laughs> that, you know, we've, we're, we've been looking at this path and it's really 30 minutes biking. Like, 30 minutes is extremely doable. Even, even if it's a little warm, 30 minutes isn't bad, you know? So, I think that that's something that should, you know, if anyone out there is a little bit intimidated by thinking about that because you think about traffic and you think about parking you think about all the things that you normally think about when you when you're driving well you don't have to worry about any of that and it's the actually nice a thing quick about commute. biking is um you generate your own breeze <laughs> so yeah it does, it's hot there's no mm -hmm. question it's been hot mm -hmm. but i'm always surprised when i get on my bike and because it's just too hot to walk really for well, an electric bike too i feel like it, it really bikes, works yeah. that way and we're seeing more electric bikes on the road now right yeah and i definitely encourage people to go and to look for those i mean they're um affordable they're a great way to get around and i think if you well, haven't had the experience like the rental when yeah you them. yeah so um there's a couple of companies that have them available at different locations uh, we'll be speaking to them to make sure that they're available at all of our hubs for the event. So definitely come out and look for those. And, you know, you just jump on like everything else nowadays. You just get an app. It's very simple to use. And next thing you know, you know, you don't even have to worry about pedaling. So right. <laughs> you can pedal if you'd like. And I think I encourage it because obviously it's going to be active. But it's a very easy way to get around. And I want to get back and talk about that, about the whole idea of active transportation and what the benefits are. But first, let's talk a little bit about what's happening in these different areas to make them more bike and pedestrian friendly, like in downtown. So um, downtown, Karen, um, Karen Crest, you've got um, what kind of infrastructure are you putting in downtown Tampa to make it more friendly to people who want to bike and walk and get around without a car? What's what exists there now? What is planned? Well, I guess you have to start with the end of the trip. So at the end of the trip, when I arrive at my destination, where am I going to park my vehicle? And I think we've done a really good job of really 
scattering bike parking, scooter parking all over downtown. We try to get it off the sidewalk as much as possible and into the um, that kind of the on street parking, the end the ends of that. You can it's just kind of some unused space. And you've got you've done some like painting murals and such to uh, to showcase sort of the bike parking make it grab your attention so it's it doesn't seem like just a an aside it's actually something that's part of the downtown planning yeah we've it's been really fun to kind of marry art and transportation into safer streets so we've done a lot of kind of tactical urbanism where we've put art uh, i'm sorry we've partnered with artists and we've had them paint murals on the ground to kind of show where delineate where the pedestrian space should be, where the cars should not be. We put murals in the city parking garages where we kind of carved out some space for bike parking. That kind of thing. And then, of course, there's the Riverwalk is downtown. So, I mean, that's not really, you, either Karen or whoever wants to weigh on it, that's not really a commuter thing, but it is. Well, it is. It's a, it's a great place to commute. However, the speeds don't mix. Um, the official speed limit on the Riverwalk is five miles per hour. Uh, so it's just we need to all kind of share the space nicely. I do worry about that with the proliferation of e-bikes because um, some of them are going, you know, 20 miles an hour. So you just have to, as long as, as long as you agree to yourself to kind of make that pledge to, you know, yield to the slower moving people that you're passing, let them know you're coming, et cetera. I mean, there's been lots of talk about should bikes be banned off the river walk and I just don't know that we need to take an extreme measure like that. We can just hopefully all kind of share the, the trail a little bit better. Well, it's a sort of a, like they say, a good problem to have, right? Because it means that it's popular. People are loving the Riverwalk. You love seeing all that activation. Kevin, what about in the West Shore District? What kind of, what kind of uh, plans do you have there and what's that? What's going on there in terms of trying to make it friendlier for people who want to walk and bicycle? Yeah, I mean, so much of West Shore is about the built environment. And, you know, in downtown... Um, you know, you have a great street grid, and I think that's one of our city's best assets is the street grid um, wherever you live. And, you know, West Shore has that as well. But so much of West Shore was developed uh, in the heart of the car era. You know, West Shore Plaza, which was really the biggest landmark in the city, was built in 1965. And so much of our development was driven by the need for parking, the need for having ubiquitous parking. And now we're, you know, we're seeing that start to change. And Midtown's a great example of that. We're seeing these mixed-use developments. I know West Shore Plaza has recently put some information out regarding their new redevelopment. Uh, and, you know, we, we look at these examples all across the city, even Water Street. Uh, we're seeing these dense infill developments. I mean, you know, shout out to the streetcar, again, really being an example of... Uh, mixed-use, transit-oriented development, really punching above its weight when you compare us to some of the other streetcars across the country. But really in West Shore, a lot of our uh, members and a lot of our partners, we're working together with them, uh, and they're coming to us, and they're coming to talk about our plans for what we see in the West Shore Overlay District, how we're um, prioritizing certain streets for pedestrian and bicyclist connectivity. Um, but we're also seeing from developers, you know, like they want to find ways to build less parking. They want to encourage more of a mixed-use development because that's where the market is heading. More folks want that. You know, I, I like to think that a walkable uh, urban environment that has amenities within a five-minute walk, that's not rocket science. That's really appealing. And a lot of folks really want to gravitate to, towards that, especially after COVID and uh, being, you know, so far away. And, you know, to Christian's point, getting in your car and having to drive everywhere um, it's not as appealing as it used to be. Christian, you want to talk about Ebor? What's in Ebor? Is that 
there's a lot of infrastructure there for walking and bicycling? Yeah, I think, you know, um, Kevin was talking a little bit about West Shore Plaza being built in the 60s. Well, you know, Ebor was around before people had cars. So it, all the bones are there. And mm-hmm. it's really interesting to see that now, you know, when we were talking to the developers of Gasworks and, you know, the rest of Ebor kind of around, there's a really um, intentional... Uh, plan to get people to be on the street, to be the streets to be activated, to have a lot of room for people that are pedestrians or people to bike around because they want to go back to those routes. And I think that, you know, being able to build more density and getting more people out and active in their neighborhood is something that we're realizing now. You know, we we had um, a really great community of people that really knew each other, that, that were able to build relationships with one another because they saw each other all the time. I think that's something that we've lost with the way that we've developed where it's easy to be isolated. You know, people just go, they drive to their home, they get in their garage, mm-hmm. they close their garage, they get in their house, that's it, right? So when you plan things differently, all of a sudden you start building those social connections that have been lost and you start getting a sense of neighborhood again. And I think that that's something, you know, that even having a big part of this Gasworks project is actually the park that's across the street. It's going to be between Channelside Drive and Nuccio. So to have developers really understanding the importance of a park to a neighborhood is something that's really beautiful to see because I think it's kind of a renaissance of that type of spirit, that Mm -hmm. neighborhood spirit. Also, uh, let's face it, walking is better for you. And if you... If you look at the health of, of people, uh, the, the people's health is better in places where they walk a lot. Yeah, Tom and I are watching um, Blue Zones. Live to 100, the, uh, the Netflix series about the Blue Zones. And one of the things that they say is that these are people who exercise every day. Uh, they exercise a lot, but they're not going to the gym. They're not, you know, going for runs, you know, on, on a track or something. They're not. They are walking to get to the grocery store. They're walking to visit. And I never even thought about that, Christian, what you were saying is that the, the advantage is also the other thing about the blue zones is that there's a sense of community. There's a real sense of community. So another advantage to getting out of your car, you're going to exercise, you're going to be healthier, you're going to have a sense of community. That will help you live longer. And no, none of us really asked for shopping malls. They were kind of <laughs> given to us. Walt Disney, of course, he understood the emotional connection people had with each other. And what did he do? He created a Main Street. You know, Main Street in Disney World is one of the most popular places to go. It's kind of old-fashioned, but it sounds like it's, you know, developers are starting to figure out they should be more like Walt Disney. Yeah, no, I think it's really good that you mentioned theme parks because that's one of those dichotomies I've never understood about Floridians, right? (laughs) We love our theme parks. And it's kind of like the easy escape. And what do you do when you go to a theme park? You drive there. You park your car, and you never even think about it until you're done at the very end of the night or whatever. I mean, you go for hours and hours and hours without even seeing a car, thinking about a car, worrying about it, none of that. And walking and walking and walking. The same thing if you go to big cities like Paris, New York City. You park your car, and you're walking everywhere. Absolutely. And, and, That's you know. one of the joys of traveling to places like that where you yeah. didn't even worry about it. Well, you know, you're able to experience an entire city without ever thinking about renting a car. Well, and then you talk about um, parking requirements the, with developers and the parking minimums that they have. It's just that, like, you know, when, when I visited my daughter when she lived in Philadelphia, you would walk a mile to go get dinner 
because you didn't want to lose your parking space that you had by your place, and you didn't want to. You'd be end up driving around trying to find a parking space near wherever you were going to eat. Probably you would end up having to park in a mile away anyway. So it it all it, so much of it is tied together. Um, it, and so it's interesting to see that we're getting some, perhaps some city planning that is considering all of those factors. Yeah, we need to do another session completely on parking. <laughs> <laughs> well, talk, talk about that. What, what about, I mean, because you always hear those complaints too about people. And every, years and years ago when I covered city council, they um, were, said there were some very... Um, forward-thinking city council members, Linda Salsana and John Dingfelder, who were talking about how we need to make it hard to park because then people will be more encouraged to walk or ride their bike or find another mode of transportation. And I'm guilty of that myself, that I know that there are restaurants that I go to that are, if I lived in another city, I would I would easily be walking there. It is hot here, so which I also am a big fan of porticos. I feel like we should have porticos everywhere so that you're shaded from the sun and from the rain and that sort of thing when you're walking. So one of these days, maybe we'll be like Bologna where they have uh, porticos, everywhere. porticos everywhere all over the city. Um, but also, Karen, did you want to weigh in on that? You were. Um, I, I really do think parking could be its whole hour discussion, but it takes a lot of political courage to make parking moves. Uh, but parking impacts everything. Yeah. But so. this is also going to take a lot of money right now. So let me just go ahead and bring up this subject. Uh, Tampa has made a lot of progress in making the safe, safe the streets safer, uh, and creating more bicycle infrastructure. Um, but now. Uh, we didn't get the all for transportation tax uh, passed. The legislature won't give us our money back that we actually paid. Uh, and the, the mayor proposed a, a tax increase that the city council has rejected. So are you concerned about whether this progress is going to be able to continue? And Kevin, looks like you want to say something. Well, you know, I'm not concerned. Um, and the reason why, I think, is because uh, time and time again, we, we find ourselves in this situation in Tampa. And, and solving transportation goes back many, many decades. This is not a new issue that we find ourselves in. Uh, we, we find that the city and the county and all partners involved find a way to get creative. And I think you're seeing that now with the some of the things we see coming out of uh, the mobility department, some of the things we see with Walk by Tampa. Obviously, World Car Free Day is a huge culture shift. I was talking with a friend of mine, a former Tampa expat who now lives in San Francisco, uh, loving the car-free life uh, in California, uh, was amazed that the city is actually having World Car Free Day. And I think it's because we still have folks that are working towards this issue. We still have folks that are working to improve with what we have within our means. You know, um, I think Paula's point with uh, Walk by Tampa using 20% of all donations on World Car Free Day for projects. A lot of these projects are not big ticket, multi-million dollar initiatives. You know, safety does not, I mean, there should be no expense spared on safety. But so much of what we can do is low-hanging fruit. Um, you know, we're not going to get to being Paris or London or New York overnight, but it starts with these marginal improvements, getting folks out of their car, carpooling when possible, walking down the street when we can. In, in some cases, you know, 
the rethinking our parking strategy, you know, all of these things, they don't cost big ticket dollars. And look, I still think that um, out there in this county and in the city, there's an appetite for funding transportation. Whatever that looks like doesn't matter because right now there are folks using our roads and we need to do something about it. And uh, it starts with things like World Car Free Day. It starts with working together and being collaborative and uh, thinking outside the box. And I, I do believe that the future is bright for Tampa. I think we're going to have a lot of smart folks that are in good places that are moving the needle and we're moving the right direction. Yeah, and I, you know, uh, this is Paula, I, we're always seeking funding, right? We always need more money than we could ever get mm-hmm. to fix all the issues that we have. If there's safety issues, there are congestion issues, if there are uh, climate change issues, whatever may be, resiliency, whatever it may be. But when we do lose those funding opportunities, like uh, Tommy just mentioned, I think it's it puts a a lot more onus on all the professionals and the agencies to work smarter, not Mm -hmm. harder, right? To be creative. Um, We know for a fact the city of Tampa has been doing a lot of quick build projects, you know, taking the existing infrastructure that we have and repurposing it, redesigning it with simple just, you know, striping and marking and, and giving it a whole different facelift to what that street used to look like. I think the city's going to do that on El Prado, which runs from uh, from one bay to the other bay, uh, an east-west route, and they're going to narrow that down and, and create a, a bike lane, right? And so, yes, what you're so talking about, just paint, right? Just I mean, paint. Which is not the best type of, of bike infrastructure, but nonetheless, we talk about, that kind of leads to this idea of dangerous by design that I, you hear a lot, which means that our roads are designed in a way to make them unsafe. Partly, wide lanes mean cars go faster. So something as simple as, Paula, what you were saying, like just using paint to restripe and maybe make the lanes narrower and put more um, the uh, the bike lanes in, right? It doesn't have to be a massive project. Correct. And not only the city, but I know that even the county, for example, is experimenting with quick building, which is, you know, these may seem like they're interim improvements using paint and signs and um, putting in bike lanes or putting high emphasis crosswalks for pedestrians to feel safer crossing the street. But they're not interim in a way because you're getting everybody to start experimenting something different and ultimately we can get the funding to make it permanent so but at least some of those interim improvements really address the existing conditions address some of the crashes that we're dealing with especially for for people that are walking and biking so i encourage everybody to ask for some of these easy fix low-hanging fruit projects that affect the most vulnerable which is people walking biking scootering or taking even the bus and it it also, you know, all these things that we're talking about are tied even to the affordable housing issue. So the transportation is, is tied to affordable housing. Can you want to talk about that a little bit, Christian? I think affordable housing is something that you're you're interested in. How does how does this stuff relate? Sure. I think, you know, when you're looking at uh, uh, right now, we're in a moment of extreme inflation. I think that people have realized, especially around Tampa, that things have just changed dramatically in a very short time frame. So all of the old formulas about how much money you're supposed to spend towards rent, how much you spend towards transportation, how much to food, everything is getting really, really, really tight. So where are the areas where you can have the most impact? And I think that, you know, we think about the money that we need to make all these improvements around. And obviously, you know, I think that it's really difficult for our local governments to do everything that they want to do because there are limited funds. Well, you bring that back to a family 
or to an individual and you realize you're working with a limited budget and so where can you make real dense um, well you can do that in transportation you know and there's things like that if we reimagine the way that we have our daily lives then we're able to cut things out that you know are to some degree luxuries right now they're necessities but if we go if we if we turn them into luxuries and not necessities you free up a lot of people's income and you make life a lot easier for people um one thing uh, that i i want to make sure that we address in our last few minutes we've got about um a little less than 10 minutes the just what can people do what are some safety tips that we can give people so for example um uh when we have an issue with sidewalks, there's are, are not sidewalks. When you're if you're if you're walking, if you do have to walk and there's no sidewalks, what do you do? Do you supposed to walk in the street? Do you walk with traffic? Do you walk against traffic? Does any can anyone weigh in on that? Well, if a few of us here are dorky enough to actually have a certification to teach bike safety <laughs> um, and, and pedestrian safety too, I should, I should add. And, and there's even a new course out that's um, a bicycle-friendly driver, which okay. I think is a really good way for people, you know, just kind of understanding what they're, how, you know, how they are supposed to treat people who are walking and biking near them while they're driving. But, um, you know, making yourself visible. You mentioned the Dangerous by Design report, Janet. Um, the people who are getting killed are not the people who necessarily know the rules of the road. Right. So um, making yourself visible when you're a pedestrian, you want to be walking against traffic. You want to be looking at traffic when you're. When so you can see someone coming at you. Yeah, basically. Jump out of the way. <laughs> but then when you're biking, it's imperative that you're biking with the flow of traffic. You, you're basically treating yourself like you're a vehicle. That's what you are under, under Florida state statute. Anyway, your bicycle is a vehicle. So just let's talk about that because you're saying courteous drivers because I know that there's probably a lot of, a lot of you listening are you're driving more than you're bicycling and you probably get annoyed maybe when you see a, a bike in the middle of your of your lane but talk about that or a bunch of bikes in your middle a bunch of, your of lane. bikes in the yeah, middle of the lane but that, are, that might be two different all scenarios. with lycra yeah but um, uh, but i'm talking about a commuter like somebody like me who's wants to go from my house down to um you know some to whatever go to the grocery store go meet my friends for for dinner and i i want to ride my bike there's not a bike lane i'm not allowed to be on the sidewalk correct uh, oh, you can take the you can ride the yeah, sidewalk, but it's, it's not the preferred. It's a, uh, it's a little muddy. Um, officially, in a business district, you're not supposed to be on the sidewalk, but on a bike, on right. a bike. But then nowhere in the state statutes do they actually define what a business district is. And then you see Tampa um, Bike Patrol, the police department, on using the sidewalks too. So I don't think anyone's really enforcing that. But there there is a state statute to um, share the road. You have to get a minimum of three feet when you pass someone. So if you're a driver. If, you, if, if there's room for you to go around a cyclist and you can cross a double yellow line to go around a cyclist, um, you need to give a, at least a three feet. But, there, but as a bicyclist, I'm allowed to ride in the middle of the lane. Sure like when are. people are flipping Absolutely. me off and beeping at me, I'm not really doing anything wrong. They are. They're supposed yeah. to be giving me a wide berth they and letting be me. thanking you for <laughs> using kind of clean, green transportation. I just want to remind drivers when you complain about traffic that you are traffic, too. So <laughs> keep that in mind. Um, let's go to the, the phones. We've got DeAndre from Brandon is on the line. Brian, DeAndre, you are on the line. What's up? Hey, I'm actually originally from downtown Tampa, and I was thinking about uh, mass transit. I caught this uh, uh, show, like, at the tail end, I'm sorry. But I was thinking, um, seeing how St. Pete did that thing with the beaches and some buses, there are more uh, draws uh, to different places, not just in Hillsborough County, but, like, 
further out and on. I was thinking if, like, if if that's up on, like, for discussion, like, with mass transit, why doesn't Heartline pull something more of a Greyhound sort of thing? And, like, is that something that's possible? And it could be, it could make some money. Anyway, that's, that's my question. Uh, does anybody want to respond to that? Well, I, I, I think, uh, you know, talking about the Sunrunner, really, um, I mean, that's probably the hottest uh, transit ticket in town right now, right. going between downtown St. Pete and the beaches. Uh, and that was a multi-year effort by PSTA, the city of St. Petersburg. Uh, I'm pretty, I believe FDOT might have played a role in funding for that. Um, and that's really a great example of what happens in a, you know, low funding environment where you're pulling together lots of partners and getting creative. Uh, all of the municipalities on the route uh, had say in the route and, and how it was developed. And, um, you know, you're seeing development come up around it. And that's really the, the big kicker for a lot of this is you're building a culture around alternatives to driving and you're building that entire culture uh, starting from the ground up with a number of partners to begin with. I'm surprised Kevin didn't mention it, but a, a lot of the reasons we can't get these this this money from the federal government, usually it's about 50% federal government, 25% state government, and then you need that 25% local government. Remember that whole offer transportation right. thing? <laughs> right. So it would have been really helpful not because it, it would have allowed us to get a lot more grant money than we've gotten. And that's how they built the bus rapid transit in St. Pete, and they had um, all that got state funding. We have an email from Peter Kolar who says, biking is great. I live on the beaches of Gulf Bull, uh, beaches at Gulf Boulevard. If you don't look left or right, you can get hit by an electric bike going 25 miles an hour. It's just a matter of time before these accidents start piling up. I don't know if there's anything that can be done about it. Um, I don't I, know that many bikes are going 25 to 30 miles an hour, electric well, bikes. Well, they, some, they can. Some, they can, yeah. Most some. of them, um, and mine, for example, Max is out at 20. Yeah, there are some. In, but it's in, fast, and you got to be careful. They are fast, and actually, there's some great uh, information on this policy front coming out of California right now regarding children and e-bikes specifically. Um, you know, there's a lot of ways you can look up online. I won't tell you where to find them, but you can <laughs> actually jailbreak your bike and have them go faster than 20. Uh, and because e-bikes are really growing in popularity, a lot of folks are starting to use them. Of course, you know, I was. Also a kid in a garage in the suburbs who played around with bikes and I would do all sorts of stuff with them. And now they're doing that with electric bikes and they're going faster and faster. And there's just really not a lot of regulation at the moment. So, you know, there's no real solution at the moment. But, um, you know, I, I think that, you know, as cities start to adopt micromobility options, as more folks are having e-bikes at home and use them for commuting purposes, you know, speed's going to be a conversation. It's the same conversation we have with cars, you know, when we're uh, the biggest infrastructure change that we can make, minus pain or anything else, is lowering the speed limit. Right. And you don't want to ride your electric right. bike on the Riverwalk, for example. Yeah. There's usually too many people there. But it's you should be able to ride it on in the lane with the other vehicles. Absolutely. That's what you should be able to do. You can ride your, your analog bike. You should also be able to ride your electric bike. Right. And, and you're going faster, so it's, it's well, better, but... Yeah, and a lot of that's also road culture. You know, all of our roads have a posted speed limit, and you might have I'm describing a road you're probably familiar with, a road where the speed limit's 35, but everyone's going 45 or 50, and that's road culture. So if you want to be a good motorist out there, follow the speed limit and pay attention to your surroundings and follow the things you were taught in driver's ed and 
you know, we'll have a safer, a safer city. That goes for pedestrians, bicyclists, and, and drivers. And that is a good note to end on. We're out of time. Um, thanks to everybody for being here. Um, good luck on World Car Free Day on September 23rd. I am on the board of Walk Bike Tampa, so I'm very excited about that event on September 23rd. Um, and the Fancy Women's Bike Ride. And the Fancy Women's Bike Open Ride. Open to men, too, by the way. Um, this is um, WMNF Tampa. Up next is Alternative Radio.